This is an ABC podcast. Hi, this is Emily Bates and you're listening to The W with Shani and Sam. Welcome back to The W with Shani and Sam. It is your one-stop shop. Is it a shop? I'm not sure. I think it's actually a podcast where every week we discuss the ins, the outs, the ins, the unders of what has happened in AFLW, what has happened and what is yet to come. My name is Sam Lane and the person I get to do this with every week is named Shani Norder. Now, Shani, as I welcome you at the conclusion of AFLW Season 7's Home and Away Rounds, I love to know what's coloured your week because apart from advocating for the rights of animals, talking about Australian netball and associated hot topics, there's always other things going on in your life. What has coloured your week? Well, I went to Carafa and that Carafa really coloured my week. It's somewhere I'd never been before. I'm going to say it coloured it a deep red, like the sand up there. And I got to see 40,000-year-old rock art, which I don't know about you, Sam, but like that blows my mind, like blows my absolute mind. But um, more excitedly, I'm so excited to be here at our one-stop shop where I would like to buy (laughs) Sam Lay. But Sam, you've been busy out on the AFLW road this week. Tell me, what games were you at? Uh, I went to Queensland and saw the Brisbane Lions beat Collingwood. Uh, It was very hot and so were the lions. Less so the pies. They were a bit on the old, uh, you know. Bit of a cold of, pie. It was a bit of a cold no pie. No one wants yep. a cold pie. Well, no, especially just before finals, although we'll mm. get to them because they may have just had a bit of good luck with the way that the uh, draw has come out. Then I went to Geelong, Shans, uh, saw the cats and the swans, and then I came back to Sydney home. Hey, there have been 90 matches this season for the first time ever in AFL. W, we have nine ripping finals ahead. And let's just, for those who haven't kind of got the memo yet, uh, each one of them holds such, uh, well, sugar and spice. Mm. On Friday night at 7.10 local time in Melbourne, at Carlton specifically at Princess Park, Melbourne is hosting the Adelaide Crows. And that leads on to... 3.10pm at Metricon Stadium in the Gold Coast will be Brisbane taking on Richmond. Licking my lips, that's Saturday, Saturday night, 7.10pm local time. For the first time ever, Geelong is going to host an AFLW final. It's going to be under lights, super exciting. And those cats that we have watched develop before our eyes over the year, Shani, who kicked like a goal fest on the weekend, we'll get to that later, they are hosting North Melbourne. Before Sunday's game, which is a huge one, 3.10 at Vic Park, which is the spiritual ground of the Collingwood Football Club, who will be taking on the Bulldogs. And as you said, Sammy, we'll dig into that a little bit in a minute, but that is going to be a massive game. So make sure everyone you get down to Vic Park on Sunday afternoon. Tickets are still $10 for the next 
three weeks. So the first three weeks of finals, you can get to AFLW, get your fix uh, as an adult. And um, if you haven't done it yet, now is the time. And if you do it, uh, you'll probably be trying to get all around Australia to get to those matches. Shans, I reckon let's pick out something. There were some extraordinary results. Uh, there was a draw in round 10. What can you pick out? Just one item for a finalist team that is, you know, really at the top of your mind? Well, just touching on the game that I announced before, Sammy, for me, I think, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, and listeners, I know I say that all the time, and you know there's something good coming when I say that, (laughs) um, is that I think Collingwood are probably very, very lucky that they have picked up the doggies on Sunday. (laughs) Reason being, um, for me, I think that that is their best opportunity to win in the position they were able to finish on the ladder. They get the home game at Vic Park, which is a huge advantage for them. But also, I also think the Bulldogs might have played their grand final. Um, You know, Carlton were obviously beating them. They really fought back. That Ali Blackburn goal at the end of the game was absolutely phenomenal. But I've been in that position before where you've had to fight back and win. Um, And sometimes just the energy and excitement is really hard to back up the following week. So, um, yeah, I reckon Collingwood's probably got uh, the sweet or... Uh, softer of the finals draw. And on that point of using so much energy, I guess I had a little contemplation about Melbourne. There is no doubt that they have absolutely launched into the finals with a, a withering result and they, they were just dynamite on the weekend, winning by 78 points over the listless West Coast Eagles who managed just one point. And, and Melbourne doing that at Casey Fields where it's windy and the conditions really add to it um, is, is really quite something. But but I guess I wondered, wow, were they really chasing that kind of percentage gain? Um, but then again, maybe it's like a perfect tune-up and, and it's not like the opposition was exactly flexing a muscle. So we will see. Um, the team that I've been thinking about most uh, since the conclusion of the round chance is North Melbourne. I really feel for them. They had a draw on the weekend against Richmond at Arden Street, uh, a terrific contest. Uh, North Melbourne has had such a hard draw this year. They have already played every side within the top eight. Compare Richmond, and they were on that incredible uh, winning streak. They played four of the top eight sides. North Melbourne have, have drawn the game, and what that has meant to them in terms of the ladder is that they dropped to eighth position and yet their percentage at 166.8 is stronger than than Richmond's. Richmond in contrast sit in fourth so no wonder that when I listened to Darren Crocker in his post-match assessment of the draw he sounded so much more disappointed in terms of that opportunity lost compared to Ryan Ferguson the Richmond coach who was really talking as if they had won so I do feel for North Melbourne uh, we'll see what they can do from here. Shans, I want to have a look at the bottom 10, the teams that didn't make it. Now you have got, you put on some very serious glasses. Mm-hmm. I know you've got your very focused face on and we're going to go through every single one. I want you to identify a, a solution or a major problem for each club. And could I ask you to give them either a P or an F? A P for pass 
or yes. praise or whatever you want to put a P on. An F, what would you like to call F? I would like to say an F for flatulence. Uh, right. Okay. Or fail. Let's give it <laughs> <laughs> In oh, ninth... no, no, we're going fail, we're going fail. <laughs> In ninth position, the Gold Coast Suns, five wins, 88%. Are they a P or an F, Shans? For me, Gold Coast Suns were an absolute pass, Sammy. They've improved year on year. Um, you know, three seasons ago, they finished bottom of the ladder. Last year, they were 10th. This year, that there's the ninth. So for me, that year-on-year improvement is what you want to see. It's not always about going straight to the top, but whatever they're doing, they're definitely heading in the right direction. It is a P for the GC. In 10th, Essendon, the highest-ranked new team. They had four wins. Their percentage, impressive, 98.6%. Is it a P or an F? And what is going to lift them up, Shans? They are an absolute capital P, Sammy. They were a really great outfit this year. Um, you know, I know I voted them in for fourth and they didn't quite make right. it that high. Um, however, it. I think they will be um, the quickest of the new teams to make finals. They had the highest score out of any of the bottom teams with 349 and they were top six out of everyone for goals this year. So what that shows is with maybe a bit more of a stronger ruck in there um, and a little bit more direction in the defensive line, they they're really going to be able to skyrocket in the next few years. Well done, Natalie Wood and Co. In 11th position, an intriguing side. They've been the yo-yos of the comp. Um, frustrating for, for anyone who follows this comp. GWS, how the hell do you put a finger on them? They are 63.1%. They are, they're an original team of this competition, so they do deserve uh, some real scrutiny, Shans. In the end, they had four wins. Uh, are they a P or an F? Look, they are an F, um, which some people might question because, look, out of all of the OG teams in the bottom 10, they are the highest of which, and I actually don't think 11th shows how much of a yo-yo team they were this year. So they had some good and close wins, but then they had some really bad losses. And, you know, their coach, Cam Berners-Goni, said this year that he was going to trial a new game plan um, and that he thought that that would be able to take them up a notch. But we haven't been able to see that. So for me, there's a real question mark around, is it the team that they have or the game plan that they're trying to play with? But I would really like to see a difference in them and more consistency in season eight next year. Just to underscore your point, Shani, on the GWS's scoring or lack of, 63.1% is where they finished on the ladder in terms of percentage. In 17th place, Port Adelaide, a new team in the comp, had a percentage of 70.6. Let's move, though, to 12th position. We are Frio. That is where we're at. Three wins, one draw, 66.8% in the end. Drumroll shine in order. Are they an F for flatulence, fail, whatever you want, <laughs> fart? Or are they a P for pleasure and uh, pass? Yeah, they are definitely uh, an F, Sammy. And look, it's been really tough for Frio this year. They were fifth... Um, in the last two seasons before coming in 11th this season. And look, they had some losses. They've had a lot of injuries with the Antonios um, and not having Kiara Bowers for every game this season. But I don't think they can play the same game plan as what they've played in previous years with the personnel they now have. So 
I think that the coach is going to need to shake it up a bit um, and try a different game plan next year. Otherwise, the whole kind of Frio system might need a bit of a change up in the following season. Mm-hmm. They were called by injuries. Um, we'll, we'll watch with interest as they build to season eight. St Kilda. 13th position, three wins, 82.3%. Are they an F or a P? Yeah, look, another F for the Saints. And look, people shouldn't be surprised if the Fs are, are rolling in here with um, the bottom 10 side. But for yeah. Saints, there were a 2020 team that came in. Um, you know, their first season was actually some of their strongest. They finished 13th again last year, which means that they haven't improved at all. But for me, I'm just not seeing a lot of cohesion. I think Kate Sheilor stepped up for them and I've loved her in the front line, but um, they just need a little bit more consistency through the middle to be able to stand up. And um, I don't know, I just, I want to see something new and different from them. Um, Yeah. And being able to step up and show some improvement in following seasons. We move to 14th uh, ranked side. It is Carlton. Two wins, two draws, 74%. Another original gangster of the AFLW. And just to cap off their season, they had a they had a, a healthy lead over the Western Bulldogs, but ultimately went down uh, by three points. Shani, overall, and they lost some big names. Um, Georgia G, Maddie Prespark is certainly headlining those names. Um, are they P, F, and what makes them better? Well, yeah, Carlton um, are very similar to the Saints, but almost they're just falling further and further year on year. So last year they finished eighth, and this year they finished 14th. And look, we know that they had a massive group of players leave last season, but um, they had some close games. They had the two draws that they could have won. Um, and I think if they had have beaten the Bulldogs, it would have looked a bit more positive. I think there was definitely some shakeups putting Darcy Vessio down back, really created some good run for them up forward. Um, but they didn't seem to have the run in the legs that the top eight teams have. Um, and I really think that they need a bit of a shakeup in the club to create something different next year. It's a very interesting place, the Carlton Footy Club. Club in 15th Hawthorne. Now, this is one of the teams that joined us for season seven. Um, three wins, 57.1%. First season under Beck Goddard. P or F? Yeah, the Hawks are a P for me. They're, they're a big pass. And the reason being is that the games that they won, they had a four-game losing streak, then they had a three-game winning streak against Swans West Coast and Port Adelaide, and then they only lost to GWS by one. So when they were playing the teams in the bottom 10, they were really competitive, um, and I really liked their game plan. For me, they're going to really miss Jess Duffin last year. She was down back, she was up forward, um, and I think that they need to do some hard recruiting on a big, mature head to be able to pull in to help them continue to rise. Bet Goddard will lure someone. She's got that now. Um, in, in 16th position, the West Coast Eagles, two wins, 53.2% under Michael Pryor. Another club that I find very, very interesting, and they, they had that dreadful uh, final game uh, on the weekend. Casey Fields, it's difficult, but they managed just one point to Melbourne's 11 goals, 78-point losers in their last outing of uh, Season 7. What do you reckon, Chance? Pass or fail overall? 
a bit of an F for West Coast. Um, they dropped from 12th to 14th to 16th. And once again, I'm just not seeing the improvement. And when you don't see improvement in a side, you need to start thinking, why is that belief not there? You know, it almost seems they give up a little bit in those harder games they really lose the structure um it, and it can get a little bit messy whereas for a team that came in in 2020 you look at richmond and the improvements they've been able to make that's who i'm comparing west coast to so we need to start digging a bit deeper into their camp and think why aren't these things happening port adelaide finished 17th one win one draw percentage 70.6 lauren arnell leading them erin phillips joining them overall shans F or P, did they do enough in their first year to satisfy you, hard judge? Uh, yeah, look, I'm a bit of a tough taskmaster. You know this. Um, I'm giving them a narrow F. Um, so, And reason being, I'm not saying that I expected them to finish any higher, but there were definitely some winnable games for them. They had the draw against Carlton. Um, they could have beaten the Saints. It was, it was really close. So I think if you asked any of the Port players, do you think you could have performed better this year? Do you think you could have made better decisions and had different outcomes? I think they would say yes. So the potential is there. Um, yeah, so I think they will be disappointed with their first season. Okay. In 18th, Sydney. Now, we've talked about them all year. Are they going to get their win? They didn't. Winless in their first uh, experience of AFLW, 35.9% is is frightful to, to put it mildly um they had a 10 uh, week uh, pre-season but so did everyone else to to get it together uh, no wins now just for a little bit of contrast remember richmond they joined the competition in season 2020 there were only six games that year it was a conference system but i did note with with interest richmond who are now in in the top four of aflw season seven had a percentage in their first year of 35.7 so it's very similar to the sydney swans all in all sydney shans are they a pass or a fail yeah, look, they're definitely a fail this year. You said the percentage, Sammy. They had 577 kicked against them. The next closest to that was West Coast on 449. So they just let way too many scores through at the back end. I think um, Coach Scotty Gowns is obviously very clever, um, but they obviously weren't able to put into action um, what he was asking from the outside anyway. Obviously, we're, we're unsure of what went on. So, look... It's great that you could reflect on Richmond there. There is hope for them, but I think they need to go back to the drawing board, completely change their game plan. Um, but I think also the mature players in that side need to be able to step up um, because they just need a bit more resilience in trying to stay in the game. I saw it in pockets of games. Um, I saw Brooke Lachlan really step up over the weekend and you know helped kick a goal towards the end of the game when they were you know down and out. But it's about doing that for a full game and not just having five-minute pack of it here and there so some big improvements to be made from the swans we hear players these days talk about doing pre pre pre-seasons that is going to be have to be on in earnest at the sydney swans um, if they're going to lift themselves up and and join the rest of the competition 
Shans, thank you so much for running us through all of that. And I think just in closing, um, it's always an interesting question about who is leading any given club, be you in finals or not. Um, when I look at the competition, I, I could, I wouldn't be surprised if there was quite a lot of change in terms of senior coaching. Um, there are some who have been there for, for quite a long time. If you and I sat down at the start of season eight and even a third of the comp, so we're talking about six clubs, had a new person at the helm in terms of coaching, I wouldn't be surprised. So we'll monitor all of that, all the situations, and um, and now we're going to get to our very special guest. Shani, it is finals. That means we rise. We lift the bar and we love our guests every week so I'm not saying that there's a like a below bar situation but <laughs> this is a very high bar situation mm. because our guest this week is the reigning MVP of the entire AFLW it is Brisbane Lion Emily Bates thank you so much for joining us Em and just right off the top congratulations how has the team come away from the 45 point win over Collingwood Thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, it's been a nice weekend just to relax and watch a bit of footy. Um, obviously, even yesterday's games were very interesting to see how the top four was going to shape up for the, the final series. But, um, yeah, great win on Friday night. Um, we've had some epic battles against Collingwood um, in our history, as you know, Shani. Um, <laughs> so. yes, Emily, thank you wow. for bringing oh, that up. This is a slap oh. straight up. I don't, can we wrap can this, wrap up, this up, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Right off the bat. Um, <laughs> I love that. Great game. Obviously, um, first, it was, yeah, really fast game, high pressure. Um, I think, yeah, we just sort of had a four-quarter effort in the end. I think, um, you know, we we really, yeah, showed sort of our fitness levels and the way we run in packs, hunt in packs, and, and even listening to some of the um, the post-match interviews from some of the Collingwood girls, and they really referenced how it felt like we did. We, we hunt in packs, and, um, yeah, I guess that's how we want to play, and that's how we want to move into next week's first week of finals. Well, yeah, I think that um, you've proven now, and I've been retired for a, a, a little bit now, thanks, Em, but um, you've definitely got the wood over the calling at the moment. Does it feel that way? I feel like a few years ago when we had that first loss against you out at Footscray that I remember very well, and then obviously the prelim final as well, but you do have the, have the wood over them. Does that give you confidence when you go into those games now? Yeah, a little bit of confidence, but at the same time, you know, anything can sort of happen. And when you have those rivalries, you find that, you know, players will rise up to the occasion and, and really, um, you know, sort of go to that new level. So um, there's a little bit of confidence there, but yeah, you definitely can never count out Collingwood. Um, you know, they always find something when they want to play us. There's a lot of bit of, bit of sting in the contest, which is always good fun. <laughs> um, I just have to dive into this now that I've got the two of you. Because oh, um, no. there don't. is this thing, I, I'm just going to say it because I don't think a Brisbane Lion is going to say it. There is a sense actually, yes, it's a rivalry, but who cares most about this rivalry is Collingwood. Like Collingwood's got yes. the issues. They've got them. the baggage. Yeah, <laughs> they've got so much baggage. And you put things on the wall or something like, tell us after you lost that very narrow loss in a final, did you put something on a wall at the club? It was or all something? about the bounce, wasn't it, Shani? I heard about this. 
Oh, it was all about it was it was about the bounce, the bounce of the goal. Look, I think it's just about um, you know, I think that you should thank us quite personally because I also heard it wasn't about the prelim final. It was about the game that you came to Footscray to play us because we were in a fight between where we were going to go and where we we're going to play because COVID was a thing then and um and you guys had to come away to beat us. And I heard that your coach said that you had to take your game to a whole new level to beat us. So if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have taken your game to a whole new level. So give me your goddamn premiership medal, woman. All right. I'll send it in the mail, Shani. Thank you. No, I think it definitely is Collingwood, but... I think um, you know. Don't don't we love that? We love the rivalries, and um, it's obviously a credit to Brisbane and what you've been able to do. And at the end of the day, a call or a bounce um, shouldn't be the telling tale. It should be the whole game plan. Now let's get to the here and now because that rivalry is um, almost um, in the you know it's 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 old news. Uh, yes. We have we finals. Want new news. We want new news. That's what news I want is, to move on. Emily. And we are with you to talk about that. The the value of finishing top. Um, what it means essentially, and it's why we saw Melbourne pedalling so hard to try to get that percentage they needed to leapfrog you. They didn't quite get it. But what it means is that if you and Melbourne end up, and I'm forecasting here, playing in a grand final, that the Brisbane Lions will actually get to host that because you finished top. Now, to our audience, tell us, where would you most love to play your finals? I'm not putting you in a grand final now. I'm just putting you here and now. Now, you're playing on the Gold Coast, Metricon again, because there is a cricket pitch in at the Gabba. And unlike men's footy, women's footy doesn't get priority access to the Gabba. Tell us about the ins and outs of playing on Metricon. And if you could wave your wand and play anywhere at all, where would it be? Yeah, great question, Sam. I think we do love playing at Metricon. Um, It is a fast deck, which really suits us, our gameplay, the way we want to run the footy, um, you know, play at the speed that we play at. So for that reason, we do love playing at Metricon. Um, The only sort of part that's a bit tricky is just um, for our fans, obviously, you know, driving down the M1 and and getting to Metricon. um, You know, we've been playing quite a few Friday night games too. So fighting that that traffic to get there for, for a night game is pretty difficult. So um, in that respect, it's you know it's tricky because you don't get as many fans there as you'd like to, and I'm sure the Brisbane Lions faithful would love to see us um, as many games as they can. So we do love Metricon, but you know you'd love to be in Brizzy, you'd love to be at the Gabba, mm-hmm. um, but we just know that's not possible since it is cricket season. Um, but yeah, Springfield, if that was you know if we could wave the magical wand and hadn't have that ready now, it'd be amazing to play at our new home in Springfield because. Um, you know, it's got the capacity for 10,000 and the way it's it's sort of set up, it's all tiered around it, it would have a beautiful, you know, community feel. Um, so, you know, if we were to make a grand final and a magic wand was, um, was yeah, it was there to, to wave, then, yeah, being at Brighton Homes Arena would be amazing. Yeah, I don't think it's a pipe dream, M. Um, as I understand it, it's very much on the AFL's agenda um, looking at that. So wouldn't that be something, Shans? Imagine if the Brisbane Lions could play on this home field that, I mean, including themselves, no one's actually played on yet, but that would be some cauldron um, if it holds 10,000 people and so exciting for the competition. Yeah, so exciting. And I think, you know, for the listeners that aren't aware that Brisbane have a new home ground in Springfield, um, I think yep. the facility in the facilities, yeah, Em? Yeah, so already in the facilities, which have been amazing. But at the moment, um, they've laid the turf, I think, probably two weeks ago. Um, so they're obviously waiting for that to all settle and, you know, whatever turf needs to do to um, <laughs> be ready to play on. So we've been sort of 
arriving at Springfield um, for training and then we'll go out to another field nearby to actually train but not be on our, our home ground just yet. So we're just waiting for that turf to be ready. Um, and if we were to make a grand final, it would be amazing if, if it were ready by then. And I love the 10,000 capacity because I think um, just to be able to have your own cauldron of like a packed house um, and, you know, compared to sometimes when you go to stadiums and you still get a lot of people, but it doesn't always feel like it's full. Like you can have 30,000 people, but in a 60,000 arena and it's half full. So to be able to have a packed house of 10,000 would be phenomenal. Now, I'm going to throw back to a statement you said earlier around that you like to hunt in packs. Um, and we've been able to see this year um, how fit the Brisbane Lions are. So, And when I talk about this, you know, you, you'll just your legs in general, like everyone yeah. on your team, you're big, you're strong, you're conditioning, um, you know, how, and you said yourself this year, um, you're some of the, you're the fittest that you've been. Um, so... For me, is that something that's just come from this year of working hard or is it over seven seasons being able to build up because there's a huge difference between the Lions and, say, the four new teams this year? Yeah, I think so, Shani. I guess just having those multiple pre-seasons under your belt, um, you know, plays a massive part in it. And even having the same high-performance staff year in, year out means, you know, they end up knowing your body more than you do and they can push you in different ways and see these certain deficits. So, you know, in an off-season, you might... Um, you know, be working on something else and you're just constantly improving um, in different ways. Whereas some of these expansion teams, they're sort of um, coming in at all different levels. So they probably can't be too personalized in some of their conditioning. Uh, whereas, yeah, this season, um, this, sorry, off season, it was all about high intensity running for us. Um, you know, we didn't have to do as much volume because we had the two seasons in the one year. So it, we just got smashed with so much high speed running, so many shuttles, um, any, any type of conditioning that really replicated games is what we did. And I think it's sort of starting to pay off because we're finding, you know, late in quarters, we can still go at that same intensity and have that same pressure, whereas a lot of teams can't come with us. So it's just given us a belief that we know we can run anyone off their legs. Um, and it's even just the culture we've created at the Lions. We're all, you know, we're so competitive with each other that we want to constantly get better. And I want to start beating her at this or, um, you know, it's like that healthy competition that makes everyone continually looking to improve. So it's just a good environment to be in. And um, yeah, it certainly helps to get those wins. Emily, can you give us a measurement that we can process and understand um, that shows how even you, the reigning MVP of the comp, have improved in that regard? Do you measure speed, power output? Could you share a, some kind of data with us on you? Yeah, so even um, just in the 2K, it was widely reported um, that I shaved, I think it was, yeah, just under 30 seconds off my PB. So I used to um, scrape under eight minutes and then I was sort of down in the sort of 7.20 something. So Gosh. quite a bit of time off that, which was um, which was important for me because I knew I'd just have to improve my running. Um, you obviously cop a bit more attention, um, you know, after you win certain awards. So <laughs> I knew I'd have to level up in the running department. Um, but yeah, even just high speed stuff. I think for me, I've always been a decent um, volume <laughs> runner, but just getting to each contest with, with greater intensity and more speed was important for me. So even just looking at my GPS starters, my high speed efforts from last season to this season have gone up again. So things like that. And, and even just with our gym work, um, you know, my body composition's changed as well. And a lot of the girls have as well, just putting on muscle and, and just getting, you know, dropping fat. Um, just to have a better, a better body composition to perform. 
So, Em, I reckon there's a bit of misconception with when you grow as an athlete. And I saw it in netball from when we were semi-professional to professional, just the way the bodies changed. And the way you said that is perfect. You just start to build a bit more muscle. Um, But I think for young kids or young players they kind of think as you keep getting older the training gets easier um but can you just share your mindset around i feel like once you hit a certain goal it actually doesn't get easier because you keep pushing yourself just as hard so does it get easier is it effort wise the same or how do you manage to continue to push yourself and your mindset yeah it definitely doesn't get easier you're right shiny i think you're constantly just pushing you know, you set those new goals and those new, um, you know, sort of ceilings for yourself. But at the same time, what I've learned is that um, even after last season, sometimes I would tell myself, you know, you can't do that or you'd never get sub whatever in a, in a 2K or a yo-yo. But when you stop telling yourself that is when you actually, you know, you can achieve anything really. So I think um, a lot of the time it's the story that you tell yourself. If you say, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a great runner, so I'm not going to ever do good in that test, then you probably won't because you're telling yourself you won't do it. So I think it's sort of breaking down, you know, the story that you tell yourself because, you know, you really can do anything. If you're sticking at something, if you're working hard, if you have goals, then, you know, more likely than not, you will achieve it. So I think um, often it's the story that we tell ourselves that holds us back. Um, it's an exciting time. It's an anxious and, and nervous time coming into the uh, final series, especially when I guess you're Brisbane and everyone's saying you've got one hand on the cup. Um, there would be a couple of teams at very least who would argue very stridently with that, namely Melbourne and Adelaide. Of course, Adelaide uh, being the reigning premier, Melbourne being the side um, that's you know second on the ladder, just and so narrowly to you. Can you separate them as teams, or do you see them as equally threatening to you? Yeah, I definitely see them as equally threatening um, for different reasons. Melbourne are very sort of skillful, um, you know, really polished team. Um, they really bring each other into the game with handballs and have a really distinct game style and just threats all over the field. Um, and Adelaide are the same. They they sort of, they're similar to us in terms of they hunt in packs and they're, they're such a good pressure team and, and surge the ball forward and have, a, you know, threats everywhere. So they're, they're certainly different in their, um, in the way they go about it. But I think, you know, either or, you know, both will really challenge us. So I'm looking forward to the battle, whoever it is. And just because I just love picking your mindset today and you don't get to where you've gotten to without your mindset, but I'm interested on the whole team. I chatted about last week, teams who kind of focus on the ladder. So for, you know, your Melbourne, they push themselves so hard to try and get that top ladder, the top ladder spot, um, but just missed out on it. But as the Lions, are you kind of looking at percentages and grand final, or is it just kind of a week by week? What do you focus on? Yeah, absolutely, week by week, um, as per the cliche, of course. But yeah, I think um, you know it's a, it's a new it's a new sort of season. This final series, everything everyone knows that anything can happen in finals. Um, you know the way that Richmond are, are really building. You know they're a, they're going to be a really tough outfit for us to verse um, on Saturday at three ten. So um, yeah, we we definitely know that it's it's certainly week by week. Anything can happen. People rise to the occasion. That's for sure. So. Um, I'm just really excited to verse Richmond. They're in some great form. Um, there's going to be some ripping matchups all over the field. So, yeah, just can't wait for that for that game, to be honest. 
Thank you, Em. You've you've led us to our last point. We could talk to you all week, actually, about mindset and beyond. But could you pull out one key for us, for you to beat Richmond, who have been like full of momentum and who actually beat you uh, on men's grand final day? I think it was out at Punt Road. How burning is that for you? Because they're the only blemish on your season, actually. Yeah, I think it's quite fitting that, you know, we're versing them in this first week of finals because it's, um, you know, you never want to lose a game, but sometimes those losses are important in a season. And I think it just gave that us that little bit of a reality check um, that, you know, things don't just happen. You have to go and win these games. Um, and in that game, it was an interesting sort of um, affair. I think we won, you know, one clearances, one inside 50s, but, um, you know, obviously didn't win on the scoreboard. And, and to, to Richmond's credit, they had a great game plan that day and, and sort of shut down a lot of the things we wanted to do. So, I think um, it'll be a bit of redemption time for us. We really are excited to to have another crack at them on a really fast deck at Richmond, um, you know, and not no wind, which would be nice as well. Um, but I think, yeah, obviously Mon Conti, we always speak about her, but, you know, she's um, you know, a player like no other and is in some great form as well. So I think, you know, I'd love to have a crack at her. Um, you know, <laughs> I love I don't these. care if I get, you know, zero touches, but she's such an influential player. So I think, um, you know, yeah, dampening her influence will go a long way um, to us to hopefully get that win. And you are last year's reigning MVP. Who do you think is going to get this year's MVP? Well, it's a tight race, I think, between obviously Mon Conti and Jazzy Garner. I think, um, you know, I've loved both of their seasons, but I think the way that Mon moves, she's sort of going to catch the eye of umpires. She's just such a smooth operator, um, beautiful skills. And yeah, I just love, love the way she goes about it. Always has a smile on her face. So I think um, I'll go with Mon Conti. I love all the ingredients you've put there, Emily, because you've said that you think Mon Conti is going to win the MVP, taking over that status from you. You've said that there's redemption to be had against Richmond and that Mon Conti shutting her down. You don't care <laughs> if you get no touches because you just want to shut her down. What a sizzling contest you have just set the scene for. You did say that it was on the fast deck at Richmond. I've just got to pick you up. Great news for you. It's on the fast deck on the Gold Coast. It's your home ground. We cannot wait to be watching that on Saturday. Thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations, not only on this season and best of luck for the weeks to come, but also, of course, on the season that led to you becoming MVP. We are so thrilled that you joined us today and best of luck. Thanks for having me, guys. Emily Bates, I am absolutely charged. Now, we were excited about the final shots, but how hot was that? Yeah, look, I am pumped to have the confidence, um, and rightly so, but you can tell that they're quite annoyed about that Richmond loss. So I am looking forward to the heat if it, as if it's not going to be hot enough in uh, the Gold Coast. And watch out, uh, Mon Conti, Emily Bates. That is a spicy contest, if ever mm. I have felt one. Now, Shani, this is the part in the pod every week where we either kick or throw or whatever we're going to do forward or back, depending on the mood and the view. I sense some real heat in you today. I feel like you're ready to tee off. You're ready to say something like, you know, right from the heart and from the gut. I feel like you've got smoke coming out of your nostrils. I do. I do have smoke coming out of my nostrils today, Sammy, because usually it's you with the gripe, you know, negative Nelly. But Ooh. you can swing that title today, baby, because okay. I, 
I watch, actually, you know what? I didn't watch a game on the weekend because I couldn't see the game on the weekend. It was Port Adelaide versus Essendon. And there was so much water on the broadcast camera that you could not even see what was going on. Our good friend, well, I actually don't know him at all, but he's now a good mate, Daniel Cherney. He's uh, a friend of the pod. He loves it. Yeah, he's a friend of the pod. High journalism. Yes, and, and thank you for your commentary on this, Daniel. You said $4.5 billion TV rights. Reckon we could get a cloth. Well, a cloth would have been nice. I don't think I wouldn't have even been mad if I saw someone reach over and just give that camera a little bit of a wipe because I was wiping my eyeballs for 16 minutes of each quarter trying paint, to see the screen. Paint the picture, Shans. What could you see? Well, dots. I could see lots of um, a bit of fuzz. And I think, like, what really irks me the most about this, Sammy, um, because there's only a few little things you need to do well to get um, equality within a game. And I think you often don't mind if you see that on cameras on the boundary, but, um, you know, the one thing that you really need to get right is broadcast. So whether it's a bit of a cover, give it a bit of a hat, um, or even if you're wiping down the screen to make it clear. But the thing that irked me the most was that it did ruin Daria Bannister's uh, goal, which could have been goal of the year. We don't know because we couldn't see whether it went through or not. We did see them celebrating, which was good. Um, but this is definitely something that I would love because imagine if that was finals. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely something that needs to be looked at and fixed um, moving forward without a doubt. So that is grumpy Shani Dunn. Get the camera a hat, get a cloth cameraman. I don't mind you giving a bit of a wipe just so that I can watch the game that I love dearly. Well said, Shani. Well said, Negative Nelly. I think that is totally right on. And, um, yes, I saw Dan's tweet too and he asked about the cloth, can we get a cloth? I thought, well, you can't find a cloth when you're running off the smell of an oily rag, but it is finals. We will not see this again. Let's just project that positivity. Positive. Positive. Prudence. Positive. Polly, here we are. (laughs) Here we are. But what about you, Sammy? Are you you kicking forward or you kicking back? I'm going to kick back, and I do have a positive Polly one for us, Pollyanna. Uh, I was at Metricon on Friday night um, just doing the runaround at the end where you grab a winner, you want to capture a a bit of a moment in time, a happy story, a bit of a, a... a hot assessment of the game that was. I ran to Courtney Hodder, who kicked the first goal of the game. She is so electrifying, and I, I love hearing her speak. Um, she did the summary, and it was it was excellent. But then she did something that is really brave on a live television cross, and she asked if she could take the mic for a minute. This is what she said. Also, I just want to give a shout-out to Cassius um, Turvey's family in Perth. I'm a WA person myself, so I pay my respects. Rest in peace, little man. Shani, it's just another example of AFLW players standing up, speaking out, being visible, putting light on things that need light shone on them. Uh, We could insert many topics that we've discussed all year and in years previous to this, but Courtney Hodder, good on you. Thank you. So well said. I said it in the moment. I'll say it again. And if you need to know more about the topic that Courtney was talking about, I urge you to go and to read, to get active and to stand up and speak yourselves. Shani, that is the end of our podcast for the Home and Away Rounds. Wow. Why did it go so fast? Because, you know, time flies when you're having... Fun? 
a blast. A blast. A blast with you. So good. And, you know, we don't need to be sad and sentimental, Sammies, because we have finals coming up. We've got four weeks. Week one is upon us, Shand. You will be zipping around. There will be no rain on cameras. There will be only sunshine, rainbows, fabulous football. I know this. Are you feeling this? I am feeling this. I am bloody pumped. It is the first final series after having a 10-round season with 18 teams and may the best team win, Sammy. May they do that. May our audience have a fabulous week. Thank you, audience, for listening. We love you. We treasure you. And I want a special shout out to Michaela Bowen's mum who pulled me aside in Geelong and she looked like such a lovely woman. She is such a lovely woman. And she said to me, Shani cracks me up every week. She makes me laugh. I love that. That podcast, Michaela Bowen's mum. We love you. We love uh, we you. Lo- we love any audience member that's listening to this. We love our producer Evan. We love our other producer Patrick. We love the ABC for having us. We love all our past episodes, but then again, we're very biased. Shani, I'm also very biased when it comes to you because, my friend, I thank you every week, and I say too, I love you. And will you please do the honors for this app? W out with love, Sammy. W out with love. This podcast was produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.